this whole ministry year, we're talking about values, and we're talking about church-wide values, things that we value. And last week, for those of you who weren't here, we used the analogy of a tree on stage. It's actually now planted outside. Uh, Lord willing, it doesn't die, because that would be a bad metaphor, but if it lives, good. Um, but anyways, we have a tree planted outside, and we talked about how the belief system of our lives are like the roots, and the leaves are the behavior, they're the stuff that everybody can see. And then the, the, the trunk is the values. It transports our beliefs up to our behaviors. And so sometimes we have the correct beliefs, but we need our values aligned so that they can show up in our behaviors, okay? So we talked a bit about that last week. And also we talked about how values can be one of two things. They can be authentic or they can be aspirational. So when someone says, hey, this is what I value, I really value being a servant, if they're a genuinely serving person or service-oriented person, it's an authentic value. You can see it in their lives. But if somebody says, man, I really want to be generous, but right now I'm super stingy, it can be aspirational to say, I, I value that, but there's something maybe not in my belief system, but in my values that's got to change so that I can grow into it. But both require honesty. It's important for us to be honest. So one of the simplest ways in which you can discover what it is that you value is to ask yourself this question. What is most important to you? What is most important to me? What is most important? It's the simplest thing you can ask. And if you want to discover it, Jesus said that where your treasure is, where the things that you value, there you're going to find your heart. And so sometimes, again, you can have a correct belief system, but it's our value system that needs to be aligned and realigned. And we as a church have been feeling for the last few years just, just the Lord realigning our values. How many of you know that God is the God of change? In other words, He doesn't change, but because we are not fully like Him, we are in a constant state of change. I'm glad that He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's faithful. His character is true. But I'm not the same yesterday, today, and forever. And neither are you, and nor do you want to be. We are all being changed little by little, either to look more like Jesus or oftentimes, sometimes, even difficultly to look more like our fallen parts. And so it is about surrender and opening up our hearts. Because again, as an individual or a church, what we value, everyone say value. What we value, what we love, is what we assign importance to. If we don't value it, then we shouldn't be doing it. If we don't love it, then we don't really assign importance to it. And so without question, today we want to continue talking about expectancy. But I want us to talk for a few minutes this morning just about why we sing so long at this church. On Sundays, how we value corporate worship together, how it is a value in our hearts and in our lives. Before we get there, when I say the word expectancy, which is our September value we're looking at, here's what I mean. It's that we trust at Life Center that the Holy Spirit is moving. Everyone say, is moving. We trust that He is moving. Therefore, our posture is worship. And whether it be with song or service or measured in taking a step, we engage all of those things with hungry and humble and holy hearts or set apart hearts, expecting, expecting that the Holy Spirit is moving. So again, exactly. 
So it's why today we're talking about in worship having a heart of expectation, having a heart that is just poised to say, God, what is it you want to do? There are other churches in the city, and we are not in competition with them. We love them. We're a part of the church, one body of Christ. All of us meet in different living rooms. But there are some churches that the singing part of their time together is merely an appetizer for the message or the word or the teaching portion of the service. But for us at Life Center, it's not that way at all. We believe wholeheartedly that the moment you drive onto the parking lot, the moment the first note is struck, we don't believe that we have to call heaven into this place. We believe the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. We believe that when two or three are gathered in his name, he is there in our midst. We believe that what we actually understand is that God is omnipresent. He is everywhere. Now listen, I know there is a difference between the omnipresence of God and the manifest presence of God. That just because God is everywhere doesn't mean you can feel him everywhere. But he is. But there's something with the manifest presence of God. But we believe with our whole hearts that when we gather together, it's not so much about calling Jesus into this place, but it's posturing our hearts that we have a reality and an openness to what he is already doing. That you and I can be busy. We can be distracted. Anybody here ever live busy or distracted? Let me see your hands, please. We can be busy. We can be distracted. We can be focused on self. We can have lots of things. It doesn't mean that God isn't moving around us. It simply means that we are so caught up in and of ourselves that sometimes we just need to pause and open our hearts. So we believe at Life Center that the Lord can move as much during the music part of what it is that we do is as much as he does during the message part of what it is that we do without question without question all of our lives our worship from our getting up in the morning till our going to bed at night how we work how we go to school how we love God and how we love one another what we do with our money what we do with our time what we do with our talents what we do with our treasure what we do with all of that is worship you see you may be here today and you don't know Jesus you equally worship we just worship different things but every single human was wired for worship, and every single human expresses worship. The only thing we need to figure out is to what or to whom. So we believe with our whole hearts. Romans 12 verse 1 says, I appeal to you. This is the Apostle Paul talking to the church in Rome. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, and I would add sisters this morning, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Everyone say a living sacrifice. Now, that's got, that's got its roots right the way into the Old Testament. But this living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. So I appeal to you, he is saying, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, not what you have done for yourself, but what God has done to you, to present. Everyone say to present. So again, in other words, it's what you and I can choose to do every single week. We are called to present our bodies as a living sacrifice, again, holy and acceptable to God. Has anyone here ever been at a sporting event? Can I see your hands, please? Okay. Anybody here ever been to the NAC or a high school play? Has anyone here ever, was anyone here ever been anywhere where, you, where someone was doing something and you were cheering them on? Okay. So now we should be all on level ground here. It's like starting with, were any of you ever kids? 
You're like, okay, level ground, <laughs> all right? Well, the reality is, how many of you know as a, as, a, as a parent, you can feel all this stuff for your kids, like when they're about to like do a spelling bee, and you're like, spell it. And then they pause, and you're like, it's all their mother. It's their mother. I, I don't got a part of it at all. You didn't get that one. Forget it. Anyways, <laughs> when you want to show encouragement, normally you don't sit. You want to show encouragement, you're like, go, Johnny! You can do it! And if they, if they, if they, anybody ever a kid play t-ball? And they actually make contact with the ball, and you cheer it like a home run. There is something about your physical body gets engaged in your celebration. It's like when your team scores a goal, and you're like, yeah! If you're an Ottawa Senators fan, we just hope to score one this year. But it's like, yeah! Right? There's something about it comes out of us. If you're new to church and you walk in and you go like, well, why are these people clapping? Why are they lifting their hands like that? And if you think it's like, well, I hear it sometimes like, well, I go into church and it's weird. Have you ever, again, have you ever walked into a sporting event and had no context of what's going on? It's weird. But there's something about the human body that what happens on the inside shows up on the outside. And we have these really weird expressions. Like if someone gives you a gift that you really like, human beings do this. See, I don't do that. <laughs> or you try and you're like, there's something about expression. Everyone say expression. There's something about taking what's happening on the inside and it shows up in clapping. It shows up in dancing. And some of you have perfect pitch and it's beautiful. And others of you, well, you make a joyful noise unto the Lord and it's beautiful to Him. Uh, to us, not so much. But to Him, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. So whether it's your kids, whatever it happens to be, worship and praise and celebration, it's presenting ourselves to say, God, you can use my hands to clap. You can use my feet to move. You can use my voice to shout or to whisper. Church, here's what I want you to know. The, the power of breakthrough isn't in the volume of our words, but what we're putting our faith and hope and trust in. But sometimes it's just a human expression to celebrate what God is Doing. And for us as a church, worship or how we sing together is an integral part of who we are. Because again, on Sundays, the invisible church that gets scattered all, out the, all throughout the city, Monday to Saturday, all of a sudden becomes visible on a Sunday. And it's an extraordinary thing. And this is what we believe, that we believe that when someone who doesn't know Jesus walks into the church, how we worship Jesus is a testimony to who he is. It doesn't change or define who he is, but it's a testimony to who we believe that he is, that every single one of us, how we engage worship matters. And look at, here's what I want you to talk, we're going to talk about this morning, three things. So when you talk, we talk about worship, how we sing together, what can you expect from us? What should we expect from Jesus? And lastly, prayerfully, what do we expect from you? And let me just say this, we do not expect perfection 
out of, you should never expect perfection from us and we'll never expect perfection from you. We do expect Jesus to be holy and perfect. But for us, we're always on another end of the equation. So what can you expect from us? Well, you can expect hope-filled worship to God from our hearts. In other words, we believe at Life Center that we don't only sing songs about God, but we sing songs to God. And we believe that he is still the God who hears and answers prayer. We believe still, as we're going to read in a moment, that he is enthroned on the praises of his people. We believe with our whole heart that worship is warfare in the midst of a circumstance. As Hannah said a moment ago, there have been times and seasons in my life and perhaps even your life where you have walked into an environment and you didn't feel like worshiping. There was nothing in you that really should have been worshiping based on the week that you had. But there is something powerful about anchoring your life, not in your feelings and not only in your circumstances, but standing on the solid rock of Jesus and lifting up holy hands and expressing worship to God in the midst of the storm because this is how I fight my battles. In other words, there's something supernatural in this moment about just engaging with your whole heart who Jesus is by faith, fully engaging our heart. So what can you can expect? You can have, expect hope-filled worship to God from our hearts. When it comes to worship, Jesus quoted the prophet Isaiah. What is the opposite of hope-filled, heart-filled worship? Here's what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 15, verses 8 to 9, quoting the prophet Isaiah. He said, The people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Has anybody here in their life ever had a conversation with someone where your heart was in another place? Or at the very least, your head was in another place? Okay. Some of you right now are thinking about what you're going to eat for lunch, and I'm the only thing standing between you and lunch, and I understand that. Okay. The people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain, everyone say in vain. In vain, Jesus said, when this happens, when we're just going through the motions, when we're just making noise, when we're doing all those things, but our heart is not engaged, in vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. So you can have the right beliefs, but if you have the wrong motive, it's a problem. You can have insight. Again, but if you don't love the person genuinely that you're sharing your insight with, they can feel it. You can have a pinpoint prophetic word, but if it's not to encourage, edify, and build up, the word can be true, but how you deliver it, when the motive you deliver it, it can actually nullify and create more damage than good. And so Jesus is saying what you've experienced, that there is something about engaging something with your whole heart. Lori and I have been on dates before and they have been wholehearted dates where we are locked in and we are talking to one another and we are wholeheartedly there. And then we have been on dates where our hearts were in other places and they are not the same. We can exchange words, but it's not the same. It's different. So what Jesus is saying is it's important for you and I to engage our hearts. Now, notice what Jesus didn't say. What Jesus didn't say was this, that your heart has to be perfect in worship. No, no, your heart in worship 
can be absolutely soaring. Your heart, you may have had an amazing week. You're jumping across the mountaintops and you're just celebrating the goodness of God. We celebrate that. Those are good seasons. Hold on to those seasons. Make them last as long as they possibly can. But how many of you know that there are other seasons when you come through the doors of the church where your heart is wounded or your heart is burdened? Your heart could even be broken. It can just be discouraged. Again, in that place, we still offer our whole hearts. It doesn't say that we offer our perfect hearts. We offer our whole hearts to God. And Jesus said when we do that, there's something powerful in our worship. What he actually said, though, is if we go through all of the motions, if we use all of the stuff, all the stuff, but our hearts are not in it. It's in vain. Everybody say in vain. vain. Let me put it in practical terms. Jesus said this, that you can go through all the traditions in his culture of Judaism, in our culture. You can go through all the traditions of church, but if our hearts aren't in it, it's useless and it produces nothing. That's what Jesus said. In vain literally means it's useless and it produces nothing nothing. So that's actually a way in which you and I in our worship can take his name in vain. It's not about is our heart perfect? Is is it postured? Is it open? Is it engaged to what God wants to do? Even if it's in a beautiful season, great. But even if it's in a wounded season or a bruised season or discouraged season, you can still wholeheartedly worship. It may not look fully like your hands are like this. It could look quieter. Here's what I would say. At Life Center, we are not each other's worship judges. We're not to inspect by the outside whether someone is fully engaged in worship. Because we may not know the battle that they got through just to come through the doors and get into his seat. That may be an expression of worship. And someone looking across the, you know, someone can look across at someone on the other side of the room who's got their, you know, they're like both hands fully in the air. They're dancing at the same time, singing off key, all out. They may be doing that. That may not be worship either. That could be something else altogether. That we only see the branches, but the Lord looks at our hearts. And so at Life Center, we, we, don't, we don't judge one another. And here's the thing. Not all of us are on the same level. We're all learning at different stages and places, and we'll talk about that in just a moment. So you can't expect perfection, but we do want you to expect heartfelt and expectant worship. As I said a few moments ago, Matthew 18, 20, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. Psalm, the psalmist in Psalm 22 verse 3 says, yet you are holy, so God, you are set apart, but you're enthroned on the praises of Israel or the praises of your people. Jesus said in John chapter 4 to a woman at a well, but the hour is coming and is now here. Everyone say now here. When the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking. I'm going to pause there. For the Father is seeking. So the Father is looking, seeking such people to express worship to him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in in truth. So again, you can expect hope-filled worship, and we love to use every tool available to us at our disposal at Life Center, whether it's this building, whether it's one of our buildings, whether it's a seat, 
whether it's music, whether it's screens, whether it's haze, whether it's lighting, whether it's microphones, whether it's style, all of these things help. But Life Center, they are not our hope. Our hope is anchored in the supernatural moving of the Holy Spirit in our midst. All of these things help, but all of these things are just tools and things that we can use to help us express worship. But our hope isn't in a a style. Our hope is in the ever, ever present ever-present, powerful moving of the Holy Spirit. It's why over and over and over again, we're going to remind you this year, as we sing together to my left and to your right, if you're believing God for healing, you can just make your way over there and someone will anoint you with oil and pray. Why? Because we expect Jesus to be ministering not only during the message, but all throughout the service, which leads us to what can we expect? What should we expect of Jesus? As the scriptures we risk read alluded to that we come expecting here's what we come expecting we see what jesus said in luke chapter 4 verses 16 to 21 and he came to nazareth where he had been brought up as was his custom he went to the synagogue on the sabbath day so on saturday as a jewish man he went to the synagogue for us as followers of jesus on sundays often we go to church as followers of christ and it says that he stood up to read and as the scroll of the prophet isaiah was given to him he unrolled the scroll and he found the place where it was written and this is what jesus said This is what we should expect from Jesus when we gather. He said this, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. Everyone say anointed me. That there is a fragrance of Jesus in our midst. That there's a unique unique element to his presence. That he has anointed me to proclaim good news. Not only good principles. Not only good advice. Not only three steps to do this or four steps to have of that. Not only those things. The Bible is full of principles and people. But ultimately the Bible is not good advice. It is good news. And the good news is this. He goes on to say, I'm going to give good news to the poor. Now he's not talking here about people who do just do not have money. What he is talking Talking about is humanity's bankrupt to actually bridge the gap between us and a holy God. But the good news is that you don't have to bridge it. The good news is that Jesus himself is the mediator between God and man, that he alone, he was and did go, is bridging that gap so that you and I can come no matter who we are, what's going on in our lives, and we can receive not only salvation, but healing and wholeness in our hearts and lives to become more like Jesus. He said this, that he has sent me to proclaim liberty. Everyone say liberty. Liberty. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives. But here's what we mean. Here's what the ministry of Jesus is, that every single one of our lives. Is there anyone here who would be honest this morning and say, there's one thing, there's just one thing in my life that I wish Jesus would set me free of. Can I see your hands, please? Okay, 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 okay. Everyone else good? Man, I wish you can be like you. You didn't raise your hand because if you're like me, you're like, one thing? I've got like 108 things. Like, but every single one of us have stuff that we want Jesus to set us through. And we want the ministry and we expect the ministry of Jesus in our midst. It is a travesty that someone can be in church for 25 years and, not, and look less like Jesus at the end of it. No, no, we want every single one of us, no matter if this is your first Sunday in church or you've been in church for 25 years, never get hard to the moving of the Holy Spirit. Keep your heart soft and open. 
to what it is he desires to do. He continues to read, or I continue to read, recovery of sight to the blind and to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and he gave it back to the attendant and he sat down and the eyes of all the synagogue were fixed on him. How many know that's a church service when all eyes aren't on each other and all eyes aren't on a band and all eyes aren't on a speaker, but all eyes are fixed on him. That's the heart and the hope and what we expect from Jesus. All eyes were fixed on him, and he began to say to them, today the scripture has been fulfilled. Everyone say fulfilled. Fulfilled in your hearing. He didn't say will be fulfilled. Jesus is the fulfillment. He is the sum and the substance of all of God's promises. So we believe Jesus moves as much during the music as he does the message. So we expect at Life Center every single Sunday, we expect lost people to find Jesus. We expect broken people to become more whole people. We expect sick people, sick people. And we say this with a limp because we all have discouragement and disappointment in moments where we prayed and we just didn't see. But we expect sick people to be healed people. And we expect immature people to grow in maturity, turn the person beside you and say, look them right in the eyes and say, you are mature. And if you really want to be hoity as you say it, say, you are mature. (laughs) The single defining element of maturity in the scriptures is this. When our attitude changes from how can you serve me becomes how can I best serve us. So we do not expect perfection. We do not expect at Life Center equal maturity. We don't. There are people who are just seeking, and there are people who are not, you don't yet know Jesus, and there are people who are just starting the journey, and there are people who are a little further along. We also don't expect everyone to agree on everything, especially in an election season. (laughs) How many of you know that we're different? We see things differently. Some of you see things really differently. You know, when you say, well, I think this is normal, there's a lot of different definitions of normal, right? So we don't expect those things, but we do expect that we would be a a unified body of Christ around this one thing, that he is worthy of it all. And that when we come together, though we may be on the left or the right of something, that what is true and greater above those things is the person of Jesus, and that he, again, is worthy of our worship. You know, church is one of the last places where you have every race, every tribe, every socioeconomic person gathered together, and that we're all just in one place looking up, ministering, and magnifying the name and the person of Jesus. It should be a place without division. Not discord. We should have plenty of that because we're all growing. But division is different. If one, um, so and again, what, lastly then, what do we expect from you? Turn the person beside you and say, watch it now. <laughs> what do we expect from you? And by you, I don't mean like what do we expect from you. I mean like what do we expect of each other? Well, we expect you to set your heart towards heaven and soften your heart towards one another. Even those people. Who were those people? You know. (laughs) 
You know what's really special? You thought of someone right there. <laughs> Can I also tell you something? Somebody thought of you. <laughs> Everyone said? Yeah. Whatever you want to say. I'm, I don't know what I'm saying right there. <laughs> worship should soften our hearts, not only to God, but worship should soften our hearts one to another. Look, no one's asking you not to be you. We're just asking you not to make it all about you. And if you come in and you say like, man, why are they singing that song again? Or you come in and you're like, I don't like that song. Well, every minute of every day, you can have your own personal playlist playing in your own ears. So there's an individual part that we all play. And then there's a corporate thing that God is doing. And let's submit to the corporate thing that God is doing. Because it's only for about 75 minutes on a Sunday. The rest of the week, you can, you can have your own playlist in your ears to your heart's content. If it's the Gaithers, Gaither away. If it's Hillsong, Hillsong away. If it's hip hop, hippity hop away. Ever it happens to be. So when we're together, our individual personalities, they're important, but they shouldn't be the driving factor in our expression of worship. What should exchange or replace those things is our interconnected pursuit of his presence. Can I tell you as a church, my favorite, 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 my favorite thing that happens every week at Life Center, because we are a worshiping church, and my favorite thing that happens at Life Center is when those who help lead us in worship can go quiet, and there is no stage, and there is no seats, and it is just one choir of voices singing in worship. It is my favorite. Because when that happens, all things are possible. How many of you know that worship, in worship, you matter? But it's not about us. It's, about, it's not about me. It's about us. That no one person is above it all. Only Christ. Mm -hmm.